Welcome to Sailing in the Mediterranean and Beyond podcast. I'm your host. My name is Franz. Well, I'm recording this introduction and I'm going to release this podcast on May 19th, 2020. I recorded an interview last week with Josie Tucci at Sunsail, and I wanted to find out how they were faring with the coronavirus. It looks to me like in the United States, we seem to be moving to where people are just fed up with it. Uh, People are starting to question uh, the statistics of the coronavirus, and we may be opening up a little bit, which is good. I don't know how long it's going to take for me to want to go back to the places that I used to frequent, the gyms and the clubs, but at some point in time, we have to get back to normal. Anyway, I wanted to do this interview with Josie and find out how Sunsail and the Sunsail and Moorings, the two big charter companies, are dealing with this coronavirus situation. For me, I've pretty much canceled the summer sale. I had to make a tough decision, and I did not have any crew lined up. Uh, because of the uncertainty of what was going on. Italy is just barely starting to open up a little bit right now. And I just couldn't go with the uncertainty of what was going to happen this summer. So I pretty much canceled my summer sale. I may go over in August or September and do a relatively short sale. But uh, as far as my two-month summer sale goes, that's pretty much out. So we will do other things. Yesterday, was it yesterday? Day before yesterday, I got up, I went out on my porch. Now, this is up at the ranch. Got out, went out on my porch, and I heard the thumping of a grouse. I don't know if you have ever heard that, but it's like the male grouse, this time of year, breeding season, will go out and puff up their chest and thump their chest with their wings and make a sound. And I can walk out on my front porch, and I know where this old guy sits. He sits on a a log about 20 yards away from our front porch. And he will sit there all day long, and and, uh, every so often he will thump to try to call the females in. (laughs) I think that's really cool. We have the cranes back to the ranch. But the last couple days, I've only seen one crane. Usually there's a pair of cranes, so I'm I'm a little worried about whatever happened to the other crane. And then I decided to do a walk. I'm trying to walk 10,000 steps a day to be healthy. So I took the four-wheeler up to the northern end of the property, right to where it abuts the National Forest, and started my watch. And I find that if I walk about an hour and a half, that gives me my 10,000 steps. So I set my clock for my stopwatch for 45 minutes and started walking up. And along the way, I came across some huge moose tracks some elk tracks, and a bear track. And I took a picture of the bear track. I don't know if I'll post it on the website or not, but uh, a lot of wildlife, a lot of wildlife. It was perfect temperature, probably in the mid-60s, maybe just a touch cooler, but it was a perfect walking temperature. I had the river on my left, the big mountain that grew, went off to the right, and that where I saw this bear track was on the same mountain that I talked about a couple of years ago where I almost ran into a, a mother bear and her cub. But this was down close to the river where before it was way up on the side hill when I almost ran into this, this mother bear. It's nice to, uh, to have that much nature so close. So 
my quarantine has been pretty pretty nice compared to most people, I'm sure. And as far as my job goes, it really hasn't affected what I do. I mean, I I manage investment portfolios, and most of that is done by uh, on a computer and on the phone. So not much has changed really in my life except for the lack of social outlet that I have with other people. All right, I have a couple questions, and before we get on to the main podcast, I want to answer some questions. Get ready for today's mailbag. I like getting emails from my friends out there, so if you have any thoughts, comments, suggestions, or questions, write me franz1 at medsailor.com or use the contact form at the website. Now for today's emails. So this email is from Armin Sean. Armin wrote, Hello, Franz. I'm a rather new listener to your podcast, which I enjoy very much. I have one simple question, which I could probably answer after listening to all the episodes. However, that is not practical as I have to make a decision within two weeks or so. I've just bought a Contessa 32 in the Netherlands, which I will truck to the Med for lack of time to go around the long way. I plan to cruise in the Med for a season before sailing her home to Israel and then doing mostly racing in the local scene with occasional longer trips to the Eastern Med. So if you had one season, so if you had one season to collect some memorable impressions cruising the Med and you could go anywhere, where would you put in your boat? I don't plan a Med cruising life, wrong wife, wrong boat. <laughs> just yet. I just want to taste it for a while and return to it post retirement in five to ten years. Thanks for reading this. Kind regards and good season despite COVID-19. Armin. Well, Armin, I looked at your itinerary and a couple things came to mind. First of all, you're going to have to truck your boat, which I did when I moved my boat from the west coast of the United States to the east coast of the United States. And in my case, I paid by the mile. And in your case, you're probably going to pay by the kilometer. I don't know if that is a factor, if money is a factor in your decision-making, but I'm going to assume it's not. So I, I looked at a couple different routes for you to consider. One route would be moving pretty fast, and the other route would be moving slower and more leisurely, which I would probably recommend the second route. However, the first thought was, okay, let's truck it from the from the Netherlands down to northern Italy, put it in the water somewhere around Venice and sail Venice and then go down the Croatian coast, hop over to Brindisi and then hop back over to Greece, working your way through Greece and eventually to Israel. That amounts to about 1,700 nautical miles. So that's quite a bit to bite off in one season. And you never told me what you meant by one season. For me, one season is two months. For you, it might be one month. For other people, it might be three months. So you have to take this in consideration when when you're making your decision, is what is your season? In, in the Mediterranean, your season could actually go uh, for a full five months, from May until September, maybe October. But 
you're really pushing the envelope on the ends of those months at the beginning and the end at the end. But if your season, and let's see, it's May now, and you're probably getting ready to truck your boat right now, uh, you could do that. You're going to be moving fairly fast. I figured if you did 40 miles a day on average, and that's a lot of hours on the boat, that would be about um, 40 days to do that entire trip from northern Italy. And that's uh, you know, basically a month and a little more than a week, a month and 10 days. If that's what you got, I would not recommend that. If you've got three months, that might be a possibility because then you could go down the Croatian coast, see the Croatian coast, hop over, see the Ionian Islands in Greece, work your way through the Corinth Canal, and then all the way down through the Greek islands. But you're going to be probably moving fairly quickly, and you're going to have to give yourself a week or two for a weather windows. There's going to be bad storms occasionally during the summer, and you're going to be stuck in port for a few days, probably at least a week over a full season. I think a better route would be where you'd truck the boat over to Volos, Greece, pop it in the water in Volos. That way you can hit the islands of Scathios, Skopelios, Skyros, the northern Greek islands, which don't get a lot of traffic. I would hop over to Chios and visit Chios and Ionusis. Then at that point in time, probably sail down going through Ikaria, Faruni, go down through Patmos, Liros, Kalminios, Kosh, Niseros, Telos, maybe Telos. Telos, I've been to. It didn't really grab me that much. Kalki, and then to Rhodes. And from Rhodes, you could either go in a straight line over to Cyprus or head on up to Turkey and do the coast of Turkey. That's a great coast if you go north from Rhodes up to Marmaris and clear customs in Marmaris. Or even over to Bosburn, if you want to backtrack backtrack a little ways, you could clear customs there and then work your way down the Turkish coast, probably as far as Antalya, and then hop straight over to uh, Cyprus from there, spend a couple days in Cyprus, and then on over to, to Israel. That would be the route I would choose. That's going to give you mostly downwind sailing. That's the nice thing on this route, even if it is the Meltimi running, you're not fighting against the Meltimis. You're going to be going either broad to the Meltimis or downwind with the Meltimis, mostly downwind. The only time you've really got some uh, some broad wind in the Meltimi is going to be from, let's say, Skiros on over to Kios. And I'd probably drop down and go to Pisara for a day just because it's a cool little island. That's spelled P-S-A-R-A. So I'd go from, and I've done this, Skiros to Pisara, Pisara to northern Chios, and visited some of my favorite little harbors, Cartamila, which is really inland, but Marmaro, and then over to one of my favorite islands, Ionusis, and then work my way down through Chios. And that would be my choice. If you really want to do the Ionians and Croatia, 
Then I would drop the boat in in the northern Adriatic. But you're going to be moving fairly fast, and you're not going to have much leisure time. And that may be just pushing it too far too fast for whatever your season is. If you had four months, do uh, drop it in in the northern Adriatic, somewhere around Venice or Trieste. If you don't, uh, Volos would probably be my choice. And then I can do all the Greek islands from the top all the way down to, well, not all of them, but most of the Greek islands, the Aegean Greek islands. Hope that helps. Let me know how the trip goes, and let's get you on for an interview after your adventure this summer, okay? Thanks. That's it for today's emails. If you have any thoughts, suggestions, or comments or questions, write me, franz1 at medsailor.com, or use the contact form at the website. If you want to do me a big favor, you could become a Patreon of the podcast. I have a few listeners out there that are already patrons, and I'm looking for more. If you have some spare change that you could throw my way once in a while, please sign up at patreon.com backslash medsailor. And one more thing, if you like the podcast, I would really appreciate it if you could take the time to write a review of the podcast in iTunes or in your favorite podcast directory. All right, let's get on to today's episode. All right, before we get on to the interview with Josie Tucci of Sunsail and Moorings, let me thank my sponsor, Sailrite. For over 50 years, Sailrite has been your authority in all things marine DIY. Do it yourself. What started as a mail-order correspondence course on sailmaking has grown into one of the largest online and catalog retailers for the marine industry. Sailrite stocks everything you need to sew for your boat. They are the only company that makes one design and custom sail kits. As a passionate group of DIYers, Sailrite's dedication to self-reliance at sea is proven in their products and services. Sailrite sells fabric, foam, supplies, and more, including the legendary portable and powerful Ultrafeed sewing machine. So you can be self-reliant and save money by sewing your own projects, from biminis to dodgers, sacrificial sail covers and sail bags, to interior and exterior seating and cushions. Sailrite brings you the best brands in the industry for unmatched product quality and professional-looking DIY results. With over 50 years of bringing you quality products, unparalleled service and support, and free how-to videos, Sailrite is a name you can trust. I'm on Skype with Josie Tucci. She's the Vice President of Sales and Marketing for... THL Marine, which includes the Moorings and Sunsail Yacht Charter Companies. We've had Josie on the podcast in the past, but a lot has happened since the last time I talked to you, Josie, and I wanted to get your update on what's going on with the yacht charter business for this year and anything else you think we ought to touch base on in the interview. So, again, just okay. re- just go ahead and reintroduce yourself for those that haven't listened to our previous podcast yep. and tell us about your company, and then we'll start from there. Hi, Franz. Yeah, it's Josie Tucci here again. Uh, I head up sales and marketing for the Moorings and Sunsell, which is the world's premier charter company brands. The Moorings, very well known in the U.S. and internationally, and Sunsell, whose heart is in the U.K., and 
and the Maiden abroad as well. So, um, yeah, very different year this year. I think perhaps last time we caught up, it may well have been after Irma. And we're in another interesting time right now uh, in the midst of COVID. That's right. Yes. Yes. That's, that's really what I wanted to talk to you about is how has it affected your yacht charter operations for this year? Yeah, it, it's uh, well, I've, you know, I've never seen such an impact on our activity. Uh, we actually had to close all of our global bases uh, mid-March and we have had to cancel charter vacations all over the world. We're on a rolling six-week basis, and we're currently cancelled up until June 15th in most of our markets. So we are hoping that there will be the possibility to welcome guests on board again for a wonderful sailing holiday from mid-June onwards. But it's very much a, a patchwork of, of uh, you know, different countries from where customers live and different bases where our our uh, teams are located, our boats are located, and you need a kind of a combination of of both to open. But uh, I can, I do have a, some good news in that Croatia is actually actually opened for local charters this week. So we, we are welcoming some guests out on the water uh, starting next week, I believe. Yep. Okay, well, that's good news. That's very good news. So when you say local charters, that's just going in and out of the marina in, on any given day. Is that what you mean? Yeah. So that well, actually, the borders of Croatia aren't quite open to visitors from outside the country yet. So if you you know if you live in Croatia, if you're based in Croatia, you can you know you can, their activity is opening locally, and then they are talking about opening borders to neighboring countries pretty quickly in the next couple of weeks and then hopefully from then on, you know, opening up to the rest of Europe. Um, and the U.S., I believe. The U.S. is uh, going to be one of those markets that's going to be welcome pretty much right away. So I think that's quite exciting. Yeah. Over the last few years, I've started to notice a few more moorings boats. And before, I'd just see sun sail boats. Are you... Are you running both brands in the Mediterranean now? Yeah, so we, we actually have run both brands in the Mediterranean. I, I think I mentioned that at the beginning, the Mooring Stronghold is really the BBI, the Caribbean. Um, but we have had a small fleet in the in the Mediterranean for, you know, 25, 30 plus years. Um, but Sunsail's real stronghold, Sunsail started in 1974 in the Med with the flotilla products. I mean, Sunsail really invented the flotillas, which is where you have uh, a group of boats that may be sailing along a similar itinerary together. And then there's a lead boat with a sunsail crew, which is which is pretty cool because, you know, if you've never chartered in the Med before or you want to try a different destination, it's an awesome way to um, kind of have a little bit of, a, of guidance present, but you don't have to follow, uh, you know, a strict itinerary. You don't have to follow the group, but you know, you know they're nearby, and it's it's good social fun if you um, if you're up for it. But yeah, you have you know we have Moorings Power in the Med now, as well as uh, you know a pretty decent uh, catamaran fleet and some crew yachts, all inclusive crew yachts with a captain and chef. So it's a it's a little bit different products that the two brands offer. Okay, so Sunsail sits there on its own, which is primarily like you said, flotillas or standalone uh, bareboat charters. Moorings is going after a 
a little different market. Do you still use the same bases? We do, for the most part. Now, back in the day, our flotillas used to used to run quite independently from the local, you know, Turkish or Greek taverners. It's a it's a little bit more um, uh, centered around our main bases, such as in Agana and Dubrovnik. I think you've been there, France. And mm-hmm. we have a pretty pretty good operation. But uh, um, actually, Dubrovnik is a Suntel only base, and Agana is uh, is both brands. So it, it depends on you know the travel market where customers are traveling. That will influence a little bit how we're set up as well with our bases and our fleets. Yeah. Well, I'll, I'll relate a quick story about your base in Dubrovnik. I've uh, been in and out of Dubrovnik off and on for many years, and uh, I've got to know. Uh, Keith Harvey, your base manager there, he's uh, he likes to make sure I point this out. Oh he's, yeah, he's South African, not Kiwi or Aussie, <laughs> like I've said in the past. Not, not but, Australian. <laughs> <laughs> but but he's helped me out of several binds over the years, and he's been such a such a wonderful, pleasant person to work with. I've tried to get him on the podcast. I think I I might have a chance of giving getting him on the podcast. But last summer when I went over there. I had to replace my uh, uh, my mixing elbow in my my Yanmar engine, and you use Yanmar engines in a lot of well most of the sun sailboats there, a much newer That's model right. of engine than I have, but basically the same engine but two or three generations newer than mine. Anyway, part of the problem I had was uh, it was I I could not get the hardware. Separated. In other words, it was threaded. I couldn't get it separated. I went over to Keith and said, hey, Keith, can you help me here? And he said, sure, use our vice. And so I used his vice. And then then my still my pipe wrench wouldn't work. said, use this pipe wrench, which was about four times larger than mine. And uh, that still wouldn't work. He says, oh, heat it up. So he pulled out a torch and I heated it up. Eventually, we got it separated. And in the process, I broke one of the parts. And Keith said, well, let me see what we've got here. Yeah. And he he found another part that would have worked in a, in a, in a pinch for me to get back in the water. But it turned out I had a spare part, uh, a a spare part that I needed back on board. So he really helped me a lot and he's helped me several times in the past. So I just have great things. Yeah, Keith is a wonderful guy, extremely knowledgeable and all of his team, you know, I think they all take after Keith, which is which is great. We have a really amazing uh, team throughout Croatia and the Med. Actually, in fact, you won't believe this, but I did actually speak to Keith this morning for the first time in many months because we are working on a remote live briefing process uh, with, you know, talking about COVID earlier. One of the things that we're going to be launching is um, live briefings for customers. So, yeah, we're just in the initial phases of this together so um i think when you do get a chance to speak to keith we'll probably be further along and he'll be able to uh, tell you more about it so that's a great idea so you're talking about before they get on the boat that you're actually doing the uh on the water briefing remotely or through pre pre-programmed pre-programmed videos something along those lines yeah yeah a mixture of uh video and uh, live chat so Customers will be able to, uh, you know, get the boat or the chart briefing from Keith or one of his team and then ask him questions live about it as they go along. So I think it's going to be pretty cool. Oh, that's a great idea. So have there been any, okay, have there been any new bases that uh, that uh, 
have been opened up by moorings or sun sail over the last year that we need to talk about? Yeah, Brazil was the last base that we opened. I think the year before we opened Martinique and we opened uh, Puerto Rico. But Brazil were in uh, Parachi, which is uh, Rio and Sao Paulo. Very prestigious, gorgeous cruising ground. Uh, very quiet, pristine, amazing scenery. Um, yeah, we have a, a franchise base down there. And... Um, a, a small fleet. They have they have a nice fleet, but we have a small fleet of moorings, manaholds there, and so that's that's quietly taking off. Yeah, we hope when when COVID is over that uh, that'll be a good option for for guests to uh, to check out. All right. Now the moorings and sunsail they do not run the yachts for a full ten years. They tend to turn them over fairly fairly quickly, don't they? Yeah, the typical duration of the ownership program where we, you know, we sell the boat to an owner and then we manage the yacht for the owner is typically about 60 months or five years. Um, some can extend an extra season or so depending on the location. But you're right, yeah, it's, it's typically five years. All right. I had one of my guests, Jeff Whitmer and his family, they bought one of your uh, boats that came off the charter fleet one of your catamarans in um, in Levkus, in Levkus, from your base in Levkus, Greece, this year. And they just uh, sailed it for a of year, course. and they moved it. They finally got it f- into the Caribbean, and now they're in the process of selling it. They gave themselves a year to go sailing. They, I had him on the podcast. He talked about dealing with Sunsail and uh, how how easy it was, really, to deal with and to buy this boat. And uh, he's he's had a great experience buying one of your boats that came off charter. I'm trying to get him back to talk about his year of sailing with his family, but I haven't scheduled that yet. But when your boats do come off, how often do they, maybe you can or can't answer this, but how often do the owners just keep the boat and how often do they turn them over and uh, sell them? Do you, do you have any feel for that? Yeah, I... I uh... I think it's a fairly even mix. We have a lot of owners whose longer-term plan is to um, is to keep the boat for you know a year or two, go sailing. Um, well, we have quite a few that actually upgrade into a newer boat as well. So I think plans change over time. You know, after you know five years later, their their plan may have changed, and, and um, we see a lot of owners actually re-upping into the program. But we also have the brokerage arm, where you know if they, they decided that uh, they want to do something something else perhaps with their time then they'll you know we have the opportunity to sell that boat for them so i think it's fairly evenly spaced out and it depends a little bit perhaps on the economy as well and and what is happening so in this situation in this rare covid situation when you take a when you have an ownership program do you take on the responsibility of making certain payments to the owner of that boat or is it a percentage of the charter the majority of our programs are guaranteed, guaranteed, guaranteed. Sorry, revenues. Um, so even in the scenario now where we don't have boats going out, we still pay the owners their guaranteed revenues, and we take care of all the costs of the boat, the maintenance, the dockage. And I think, you know, that is something that, through thick and thin, our owners um, have always been very impressed with how we've handled the toughest of situations. And this is another scenario like that. So. 
uh, yeah, that's how the, how the program goes. That's unusual. Most of them, I think, most charter companies are paying a percentage of the revenue and take a management fee. So that's that would be giving me a sense of satisfaction if I knew my boat is sitting there and I'm still getting getting the money that I expected to get from it. So yeah, are you sure. are you adding? Well, I wouldn't imagine right now that you're adding that many new boats to the fleet for this year, are you? Well, we actually are. I mean, the the challenge with managing a fleet is you can't just start buying boats one year because you'll feel the pain of not having that fleet renewal, you know, two, three, four, four years down the road. So while we wouldn't be purchasing as many boats for the fleet as a normal year, potentially, we actually are still selling boats into the management program for this coming winter season as well as into the med season. In fact, we have new boats arriving right now into the med. So, um, you know, I'm very hopeful that with the sanitization measures we're putting into place and, you know, the general opening and relaxing of travel restrictions that we're seeing across many states in the U.S. and some countries across Europe, that we will actually be able to start delivering charters soon and um we just put uh, some information up on the website tonight about some of those measures that we're putting in place to keep everybody um safe and healthy including our staff as well as our our guests so i will uh, send you a link to that page afterwards but please do feel free to go and visit moorings.com you'll see our frequently asked questions about the coronavirus situation the same with Sunsail. It's quickly accessible from the homepage and uh, lots of lots of good, interesting information there. Right. But um, definitely look forward to welcoming guests on board soon. And I hope, France, that we can do a part two a little bit further down the road when we've actually started reopening again, because I think that will be an interesting, interesting yeah. uh, time to talk as well. I look forward to that. That would be great. So is there anything else we ought to touch base on before we finish out this, this uh, discussion? Well, I mean, I think it is good for people to know that, uh, you know, despite having to cancel two, three months of charters, half of our customers who've received credits have actually rebooked already for 2021 um, October onwards season, which is very encouraging. And we are actually doing about half of our business weekly now is new bookings from customers who are planning to take a new sailing vacation. So we're actually very encouraged by this. And um, I think people people just want, you know, want to get on the water and they want to go sailing and people are confident that it's, uh, it's going to be a good time again. So just wanted to leave on that positive note. Oh, yeah, that is great. That's good news. I mean, I was going to – I forgot to ask you what happened to the people that have put down deposits on their, on their charter vacation. You basically credited them back that deposit for a future – vacation or did you refund the money how did that work out yeah so for the most part i think along with most of the travel industry uh, and certainly the yacht charter industry we are doing uh, full credits for the full value of the charter when it's paid in full so that is uh, that is our mo and we're obviously rebooking customers for free a lot of customers have just decided to plump on a on a new date and, and not go through um the process of a credit certificate, etc. So we've got a mix of customers rebooking right away or taking the credit certificate and having a think about what they might want to do with it next. But, uh, yeah, it's so, so far so good. That's great. Thanks a lot, Josie. 
If you're, if, My pleasure. If there's anything else we need to touch base on, let me know. Uh, otherwise, will I will do. put links to the show notes to uh, to the companies and also the frequently asked questions. And go ahead and send me any other information I need to include in the show notes, okay? Okay, will do. Thank you, Franz. Appreciate the opportunity to come on, come on the show. Thanks, Josie. Life is short. In the end, all that really matters is the memories you make. So make a few. Go sailing. Joel, you want to know something? What? Every now and then, say what the f***. What the f*** gives you freedom? Freedom brings opportunity. Opportunity makes your future. If you can't say it, you can't do it.